Coming up, Brian talks about Microsoft's quarterly earnings report. I talk about Azure and single sign-on again. And we also talk about what it what happens when you access a computer system as uh, as a from a former employer. Uh, coming up, stay tuned. The headline: Chat GPT to destroy Google in minimum two years, says Gmail creator. I mean, that's it's pretty strong. That's a that's a pretty strong headline. Uh, Gmail's creator, Paul Bouchette, took to Twitter recently to share his opinion on the artificial intelligence bot ChatGPT created by OpenAI, which we just reported on our last segment that Microsoft just dropped 10 bill, uh, $10 billion investment into OpenAI, as he expressed his fear that it may replace Google. Now, I mean, I posted this almost immediately when, when I got a taste of the chat, right? I, I posted on the Facebook group. Um I mean, just using ChatGPT, if you've used it and you're like, you want a piece of information, the experience is so much nicer going to ChatGPT than um, than Google. Bouchette said that the search engine giant may be destroyed. I love that word, destroyed by the new AI bot in the next two years. The most profitable application of Google, which is search, can soon get replaced by the tool of open AI, he stated. And I have to say, I'm a technologist, a 20-year technology professional. That is exactly what my experience is. And that's what I've been saying. What do you think? Uh, I could probably argue both sides of it. But I, I so open AI, I mean, eventually, at some point, they're going to have to figure out a way to make money. So if yep. they're a subscription-based model, are people willing to pay for, pay for a subscription? Maybe they would be. Um, I mean, they're, it's going to go ad-supported, even if they do side, even if they do... Uh, what yeah, display ads or something. Just they can banner do that. ads. I mean, um, does that did that would that hurt the integrity of the results, or would people think it would hurt the integrity of of the results? Um, I don't know. Uh, if you are searching what's the what's the most highly rated pizza joint in Southington or something, if you're searching that. Are you going to trust the answer from Chat GBT? Just like you when could, you search Google and the first three results are ads, you know. How so not not to be an advocate, devil's advocate, but I'm I or I'm not I'm not a, being a fanboy, but I am kind of excitable about this right now. I, yeah. I cut you off. I'm sorry, but they could easily have Chat GPT say in the first paragraph, the the following is a sponsored suggestion by mm. uh, Domino's Pizza. Uh, Domino's pizzas, blah, blah, blah. You got three sentences, right? And then the, the next is your organic, which is, this is what we found on the web. Here's the source. The other th that's the thing that I'm surprised they're not doing. ChatGPT's responses don't weave in sourcing. I wish mm -hmm. that was like a checkbox, or I guess you can ask it, cite your sources, but it seems to me that they should have some functionality there where they're citing your sources, the sources of information. I have the weirdest banner ad open that, Oh God, it was like a fungus toenail thing. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they could totally replicate the Google model. Just, it's, it's just in spoken language, you know, the yeah. following is paid is a, is a paid advertisement for the following companies here. This is what we found on the internet. And these are the sources then add banner then had affiliate links. I mean, the revenue model is going to be the same. I don't think, 
I don't think it's going to go purely subscription, although there is some chatter in the, in the uh, rumor mill that they're, they're already looking at some pro subscription right. for it. Right. Because it's expensive for, for them to, them to run, right? Every search is what they say, a penny, penny and a half or something ten like cents that. A, 10 cents. Was it penny? I thought it was 10 cents, 10 cents a search. Oh, I thought they were, they okay. were running. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. Just yeah. the computing power. Yeah. It is, and that's why that's why you have Google and those type of companies that are investing so heavily in energy, right? Because they want to. Uh, they've got their own fusion tests that they're running, and they're going down that path too. Because energy has become such a big cost input for them. So, um, so coming back to destroying Google, what do you what do you <laughs> think? Chat GPT takes out Google in two years. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think Google would go down without a fight. I mean, if they, if they wanted to tomorrow, come up with Google chat or something like that, they could make those results look like conversational, just, just like you said, way. So I think you're going to end up with something probably in the middle. Um, but what, where does the innovators dilemma come in? You know, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah. So tell me what your innovators dilemma is. So the innovators dilemma is, is that, you're you've you've succeeded your company or product i don't know if my, my video is working are you still there yeah all right i don't know my video is buggy or not working um okay there it is um it, the innovators dilemma i think that's the term am i saying that right you've heard of that right uh, yeah i don't know like to cut off your own source of revenue stream that that idea yeah the yeah the innovators dilemma um Hopefully I do this justice. I'm not going to look for an in, um, source, but the innovator's dilemma is your your current market product is your bread and butter, and uh, but it's also not future proof. Mm -hmm. And uh, the new paradigm is just coming out, and there's and it's in direct conflict with your current business model. How do you make that pivot? And I'll give you a couple of examples. America Online. Mm -hmm. America Online sold everyone in America for in the 90s uh, a second phone line on behalf of Ma Bell, AT&T, right? Yeah. So, uh, Mom, get off the phone. I'm online. Remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so you have AOL selling $30 monthly subscriptions to their online community, which is what basically what AOL was. Uh, they were an ISP also because you would pay for their connectivity. So you remember the dial-up phone numbers that you oh. would, that you would pick. Uh, so they were an ISP. They were an online community. But then in 1998, I think uh, the cable companies said, "Oh, we can hook you up to the internet too." Mm -hmm. And then, oh, and it's faster, and there's no dial-up. Remember that hey, experience? Oh, sure. So, oh, so overnight, this was coming to communities. And AOL was, remember those discs were everywhere. You were at CVS, mm -hmm. you were at Blockbuster. Um, you, they were like, they were just littering the, the world with these free AOL 9.0 discs, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you had all the, the competitors and there were a couple of them speaking ad supported model where instead of doing the subscription, you had that banner ad along the bottom of your PC. Do you remember those? I so for AOL was, or for some AOL? No, it was, a, it was a competitor. And I'm trying to think like of what CompuServe it was. CompuServe or Prodigy? Those were No, those it was later than that because it would have been it would have been like early 2000. Oh, like Net Zero? Was yes. Net Zero. Yeah, yeah Net, Net Zero. Zero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So, so AOL is holding on to their legacy business model where they're an ISP, but they're slow dial up. And then they're also a paid community. Basically, you you know, you pay, you effectively paid for instant messaging mm-hmm. and email after a while. Um, and then, uh, and then the broadband came out and it was faster, maybe same, maybe a little more premium, but basically got, got the same thing done and they couldn't pivot. You know, and what was really fascinating about AOL's uh, history is they they were they went down as like the biggest failed merger or bad call in, in business history because they had just before they went under, so to speak, they merged with Time Warner. Remember the AOL Time yeah, Warner sure. merger? And I think that was two thousand. The largest, yeah, two thousand largest merger in history is one hundred and sixty-five billion. Yeah, uh, crazy, funny. crazy. Um. So yeah, so that's the innovator's dilemma. You know, what would have AOL, what would have AOL had to have done, right? They would have had to buy a telco or or start laying fiber or copper as fast as they could to try to compete with the established uh, utility companies, mm-hmm. or pivot to. And this is what they ended up doing was pivot to being basically a website, a web page, you know, to try to garner ad revenue. They did have a search product, but I think when Google came out in 2000, 2001, that quickly eclipsed the likes of Yahoo. I think Yahoo was a um, search engine initially too, right? Sure. Yeah. But I think Yahoo ended up licensing Google search engine somewhere in the mid aughts. Yep. Um, Another innovator's dilemma, Netflix, which they are an example of a successful pivot where Netflix was a DVD by mail service. And then streaming was coming out, which was clearly going to uh, put the mail mail service, the, the physical media service out of business. And um, they did manage to make that pivot. So yeah. I jumped the track. What was the original? <laughs> well, there is chat GPT versus, versus Google and how is right. Google going to adapt to that? I think you'll end up with a product that, that looks, you know, sort of somewhere in the middle of my have that chat like feature but you'll have you know you'll have better ads and you'll have sponsored ads sponsored responses if you will right um, will google may- be a new will the the google ai be a new web page portal product altogether or will it be another tab on the google homepage? what do you think yeah i mean they might they might end up so you've got if you go back to like netflix and disney now you have the paid version or you have the partial paid with ads so maybe it's something along those lines where it's like all right we have our main product, which you can buy for $15 a month that is no ads, that is fully subscription-based, or you can kind of split the difference where maybe it's some ads and your first response is going to be an ad and something like that. So you may end up with a couple different models there because the subscription model, it's it's proven to work and people are not averse to ads. There's um, going to be an ad supported, like, right? I mean, just because for no other reason that like, there's a whole group, there's a whole audience out there that just doesn't have the ambition or means to get a credit card and make subscriptions. Right. And I'm talking like 13 year olds to 17 year olds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they have access to connected devices, but they're going to fire up somebody's homepage and just go to a, go to a website, you know, this, that they still need to be served, but they're not going to go through that subscription 
time i, I don't think anyway so there's there's right. definitely gonna the internet is ad supported it's definitely gonna be ad supported it just yeah. makes it so approachable with no commitment to that whole group that whole body of people you know what i mean yeah but you may you may have like an enterprise solution or sure. you know the pro or whatever yeah um so yeah, it'll probably look look something like that. I'm curious to see what OpenAI comes up with. A lot of the times you go there and it's, you know, it's overworked, it's not available, that kind yeah. of stuff. So that's just a scale problem. They'll they'll they'll, they'll yeah. take 10 billion of Microsoft's money and Azure infrastructure and they'll scale that up. Can I tell you one more thing I'm really excited about yeah, ChatGPT? Um, as you know, I have um, don't say your name, but I have an Echo appliance, an Amazon Echo appliance in every room in my house with the exception of i think the downstairs bathroom i think the downstairs bathroom and and that's it so chat gpt is exactly what is missing from these smart speakers and it's not just amazon right google's got their product yeah amazon's got theirs um apple just released another version of the home pod and and siri this is this technology is exactly what is missing from that pro that product tool, you know? And mm. I'm just, I'm waiting for the headline that says my uh, Amazon licenses chat GPT for a hundred billion a year to make, <laughs> to make Amazon echo more useful. Yeah. So what's the situation now with Amazon echo? What's the question that you would ask that, that could be improved by integrating a, a chat GPT? Just the natural, that? language, <clears throat> just the natural language interaction. If you hang out at ChatGPT and you can literally have a naturalistic conversation with it. Yeah. You can, you can ask it a question. It will feed you back a sensible sen or sensical answer. Mm -hmm. You can then ask a follow-on question and series of following questions that are contextually relevant to your initial inquiry. Right. So that whole model, there's there's a very limited ability of that from the Amazon Echo. They included that a few, a few years ago, but it is so com compared to, sorry, I'm, I have a phone ringing here. Let me just silence this. Compared to ChatGPT, the version, the, 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 um, the, the ability that the Amazon Echo has for that, that follow on contextual relevancy is like a 0.1 alpha. It's like not even, doesn't even move the needle. ChatGPT really changes that to be able to speak to their these devices in a naturalistic language uh, experience. That's exactly what these things need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely something to that, and being able to speak in different language tones. And as far as content creation, uh, you know, write this in the, in the tone of. You know, in a business tone or in the tone of you know, oh yeah, Joe I mean, Rogan the or Bill Barr or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's 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 totally transformed our marketing department completely. I mean, that's yeah, that's crazy. My first topic today, we were we were going to discuss, or I was going to discuss Microsoft Azure. Do you know what Microsoft Azure is? Uh, I do. Yep. What would you What would you say Azure is? So Azure is like the um, that's their database platform is that what that is yeah so azure i would describe azure as microsoft's uh data center for rent mm -hmm. 
um, to everybody and anybody. And when you are a Microsoft 365 subscriber, even if you have a single user account that you're going to do, you know, hosted email with Microsoft, uh, Microsoft 365, you're going to do some files on SharePoint, you're going to use their Teams professional, um, they carve out a, a slice of Azure for you. Hmm. And yes, you can host databases there, but you can also host actual host, what they call hosted machines or ho virtual machines. So you can spin up servers, you can spin up workstations in the cloud. Um, what else can you do? Oh, the one thing that I like uh, a lot is you can use Azure. You could put Microsoft's Active Directory service, uh, which again, they your Microsoft 365 subscription rides on top of Active Directory, Microsoft Microsoft's Active Directory service. That's how they manage user accounts. And um, it's kind of not really transparent to most 365 users. It's more of an admin function. But once you're in that Active Directory uh, service, you can actually then use Azure Active Directory as what's called an identity provider. Okay. And this is something that we implemented internally last year, and it's fantastic. Uh, we have, I think we have somewhere between five and 20 business softwares that we use to uh, run our company. And fortunately, all of them now are all web or, or cloud-based software as a service, SaaS software as a service. And most of the vendors now will, it's like multi-factor authentication. Like when MFA first came out, like you have to wait for the vendor to implement that functionality and feature so then you can benefit from it. Well, uh, similar to that, there's a technology called single sign-on, which I may have mentioned before in previous episodes, but um, single sign-on allows you to bring your own identity provider to your software vendor's product. Okay. And so if you have a, if you have an accounting software or practice management software or a CRM software, you can, even though those softwares uh, have their own user databases that you can create users account, users and passwords in to access that software, you can, once you have the software set up, you can go in there if they provide it and say to the software, okay, we're no longer going to use your internal user database we're going to subordinate our account with your product to use our identity provider. And Google, you can use Google as an identity provider, uh, Azure Active Directory as an identity provider, um, LastPass, JumpCloud, there's a ton of them. It's, it's a standard. So, you know, a lot of um, cloud online vendors provide the functionality. Azure is probably the most, one of the most populars, hmm. popular. Um, so you basically tell the software, um, okay, we're going to use our Azure Active Directory as our identity, identity provider and just read that user database in Microsoft 365 um, to bring in user accounts in your software. And the benefit of that is you kind of have a central point of managing your user accounts. And the really key benefit of that is... Um, kind of a single point of control for user access to your software. So, you know, we've got, I think we have, I don't know, 20, 
or more people now in the company. And I've been ad doing a lot of HR admin work, adding users, dropping some users. And if you have 15 or 20 soft pieces of software, creating a user account for a new employee in every single piece of software, you know, becomes pretty laborious. So you can imagine, you know, you have 20, 50, 100, you know, whatever, how big, however big business is. So this single sign-on technology really allows you to just manage your software so much, so much faster. And then it's nice too, because if you have to make a, if you have to make a, a termination, you just have a single point, you turn it off and that will, you know, um, kill the user's access across all the software to support it. Okay. And most of those software, they'll support the Azure, the single sign-on? Yeah. I mean, the two primary providers, well, it's standards based. So they technically will support what's called a SAML, S-A-M-L. Um, it's an acronym. I don't, I can't regurgitate it right now, but it is a standard. So technically, if you're not on Azure or Google Workplace as an ID, IDP, ID, identity provider, um, and you know how to read between the lines, you can probably use any SAML supported um, uh IDP. Okay. But um, the problem I'm seeing is not every software vendor supports SSL, which is really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, so if you see or use a piece of software that you want uh, SSO supported, make take the time, make the feature request, press the software vendor, tell them this is important to you. Otherwise, they focus their energy on other features that the, their community, a user community is calling for. Um, they do listen. I can't stress that enough. We really are in a, in a really interesting period where software development, um, large corp, large um, software uh, companies and small alike are listening to user feedback. So, um, you know, su support for SSO is not ubiquitous yet, but it's coming. And then the other thing that's really obnoxious is they seem to treat SSO as a premium or enterprise class feature. Huh. So, you know, when, if you're a solo or you've, you've got three people in your company and, you know, you could still benefit from single sign-on because it still greases the wheels for your for the employees and, and the users to, to walk, you know, in and out of all the software that you're using. Um, but they, they seem to treat SSO as like an enterprise class feature. And I really hope that that mindset shifts. It really should be like baked into this to the, the base functionality of all the software. Um, just like multi-factor authentication is not a premium feature. It's, it's just, it should be built in. So. So all of your employees have to use that same single sign-on for all your software? Yeah. So once they authenticate with the IDP, uh, they can then just walk right into uh, whatever software they go to. So we have a couple, um, even Microsoft Office on the web has an app launcher. So if you are in any of the Microsoft 365 products, you have this the square icon on the top left corner. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's the app launcher. Um, we pin all of our other software in there. So if you start your day in Microsoft Outlook in the web, then you hit that app launcher and you can then go into any other corporate software that we've published to the users. And because they've already authenticated with multi-factor authentication and, and, and everything mm -hmm. with Microsoft 365, when they click the link to the next piece of software, it passes that authentication into, into the software and you just walk right in. You're at the homepage of that. 
Um, okay. So what happens? What happens if a user tries to sign into software uh, using their Google sign-on or their Facebook sign-on or something like that? Some software will let you link your identity to other identity providers like Facebook, Apple, mm -hmm. Google. Um, some software, the administrator can prevent that from happening. Okay. Um, so really that functionality is provided by the, each respective vendor. Mm -hmm. um, and your IT admin would want to make choices as to whether they want that or not. Yeah. And you would probably not want that, correct? Because it'd be more difficult for you to terminate? The no, because, because the, the core user account is linked to the corporate identity. Okay. So if, you, if they said, okay, well, I want to log into Zoho CRM using my Facebook identity, mm -hmm. um, they would link those two identities and both authentication would work. But um, if you killed the corporate identity, it would that is the underlying account with the vendor. So um, that's how that would probably work. Yeah, the one comment I was going to say is with single sign-on, it becomes a single point of attack or a single point of, a, of failure. Mm -hmm. So if your uh, corporate identity is compromised, then you can you have you see the obvious um, problem there, right? Yes. So it's important that if you're going to use single sign-on, that you're properly managing you and configuring your corporate identity provider. Yeah, that's I would say that's for sure. And so most of your clients are doing that same same process. Uh, no, it's still early days. Okay. You know, it's so funny. Like sometimes I, I so often feel like, like me personally and, and the practices that we do for our company, I feel like we're often late to the dance because mm -hmm. I, I'm a member of a lot of peer groups and things. And SSO is not new. SSO has been around for maybe 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, I just kept put, putting it off because A, it wasn't ubiquitous and, and B, the, the configuration was overly complex. The learning curve was way too, was way too steep. Um, and then at the and, and number three is I, I subscribed to the notion that the single point of failure from a security standpoint was concerning. Um, so it wasn't until last year when uh, we, the business imperative was we were losing productivity in the complexity of maintaining separate user databases in every single product. So I, I kind of went to the drawing. I was starting to see these, the pains, like new employees were coming into our company. And I think we've lost, we lost a couple new employees early on because like it was just the learning curve was too steep. Oh, really? To use our tool set. Hmm. Um, you'd be surprised at how many, even technical people still struggle with something as simple as like, registering an account, you know, or, or that, or it's the, it's the burden, you know, it's the administrative burden and certainly the non-technical employees forget it. Like we, you know, we've been building out our sales and marketing team over the last couple of years. And, uh, when they were seeing like, okay, I got to create an, a username account in this software and this software and this software and this software and every software was providing a different experience, you know, um, it, it was, I, we had a couple people wash out fairly quickly and I'm pretty sure that I could tell that it was, it was just a, there was the pain of entry. You know what I mean? Mm. Did they mention that on their, on, on their, their exit? exit? Uh, I think maybe one did, but again, during the training, like I could tell that it was labored. So it was like, yeah. it was, it was, it was, you know, because don't forget registering a user account in 10 pieces of software includes registering multi-factor authentication with 10 mm. pieces of software 
and you know that was it's it, you know it, it was a challenge it, it was a challenge so that was the business imperative that led me to go back to sso single sign-on and look at it as a as a possible solution for our company and then we you know me and the technical team here we we studied ourselves on the technology on the implementation of it and then we we rolled it out and as we were rolling it out the benefit just became so obvious it was like oh my god this is you just log into your email and then you just start launching apps and you're just in right you know right. it was it was and then of course on the hr side if somebody leaves and you just you know when you disable their account in the in the corporate idp um it just kills them across the whole suite of, of yeah. software so right and do you uh, do you set a time limit, like a timeout? So it uh, if what's the like the industry standard there? Like if they're not using an app, it logs them out after two hours or four hours. Or yeah, that's again a functionality that every ven software vendor has to provide, mm. and unfortunately, those aren't universally done well either. So it's the security implementation of uh, the security landscape is relies so much on each individual vendor kind of getting it right, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why this, the, you know, for us, we're like, we're like feedback requests with, with our vendors all the time. We're constantly saying like, Hey, this security mechanism mechanism isn't good enough. Like you got to, and it would be like a non-security based piece of software too. So like, they're looking at us like, Hey man, we're just dealing with like, you know, some whatever software like Canva, if you're doing like imagine, you know, Canva is right. Yeah. So it's like a graphic design tool. But imagine like a guy like me sending an email feed to their the dev team being like your security is inadequate. And they're like, we're just you're just making posters here. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that still doesn't preclude every every company and every software from maintaining yeah. a security focused culture for their development, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now I'm curious to see what Canva uses. <laughs> You're doing some upgrades on your personal stuff there. I see you were unloading your your old Apple uh, laptop, was it? Oh, yeah. So I, I just, I was definitely due for a new laptop. We, we have a new studio that we're putting together here for um, future uh, video and podcast content. And it was apparent that the laptop I had, it was like a 2012 MacBook. Uh, um, so yeah, that wasn't going to cut it. So I just, I just looked at a um, little, little pro tip here. Uh, the M1 MacBook Pro and the M2 that just got released last week or this last month or whatever, you know, is like basically the same thing. Okay. So I, I picked up an M1 MacBook Pro on Apple's refurb site mm. and I, I i would say i got a pretty sweet deal on it good and so what is the advertised difference between the m1 and the m2 i think like 18 or 20 percent speed improvement okay but when you look at like uh that 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 calculus really only matters if you're doing like video rendering mm-hmm like how much faster can you load a web page? <laughs> right. I mean, it's 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 kind of negligible. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, computers are really at a point right now, which is really really interesting. That web, email, maybe even some basic uh, gaming. You know, it's like all the computers are basically on parity. One of the biggest features that Im impacts that is the solid state hard drives. And I just read somewhere that like. 90% of computers now, all computers now have solid state hard drives. Wow. 
So the platter based hard drives that are, you know, the splitting spinning platters, like high, high tech record players, like those are basically gone now. Yeah. Yeah. And fewer moving parts will make things more efficient and uh, make them last a little bit longer. Definitely more durable. Yeah. May not be the greatest thing if you're in the hardware replacement business, but uh, yeah. So you had mentioned you were going to talk about Azure. So we thought that that would slide in well with, uh, with Microsoft and their earnings last week. And they, they said uh, worldwide shipments on PCs are down about 30% year over year. So I think our conversation sort of holds true there. I, I almost feel like the computer and the car has sort of run parallel where people are just holding on a little bit longer because the the next upgrade isn't that much better than than what they have. I, I drive a 14-year-old Pathfinder with 217,000 miles on it. So like I yeah. could not be any more than, you know, living a living example of that. Yeah. And it's funny, I still think of like, uh, you know, time moves by so fast, but you know, our two cars, I still think of being new cars and one of them six years old and one of them's five years old, but so I true. Mean, they, 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 you know, they keep well, they don't look dated. They were, you know, model early in the model cycle for that. So they're still producing similar looking vehicles, but I just, you know, that I just read an article yesterday that in motor trend, I think it came up in my feed. The headline said, I know, I I no longer want to drive ICE vehicles anymore. And that's where I, my position is. Like, I, I don't, the reason why I'm holding out on the Pathfinder is because I don't want to buy another internal combustion vehicle. But yeah. um, I mean, where that's a, that's a, that's a rat hole. I don't know if you want to get into, but you're, ta- <laughs> you're talking about Microsoft earnings. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking about the, the hardware upgrades and how, um, you know, Microsoft, every time, you know, Dell sells a computer and they've got windows on there, Microsoft is, is getting a hot cut of that. And then also Microsoft obviously has their own line of hardware with the surface and the surface pro and the surface pro laptop. And, uh, all that stuff is just lasting a little bit too long, um, for them to make new sales and the upgrades yeah, aren't that, aren't that my phone, I, iPhone eight, I think this is circa iPhone eight plus this is circa 2017, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been, you know, in 2017 to have a six-year-old phone would have been ludicrous. That know? would have been crazy, right? Wouldn't even have been operable, probably. Would have been know? a Blackberry. Yeah, right. Maybe. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I only upgraded my most recent because they were they, they were doing such stupid like trade-in promotions. And I didn't even trade in my one before that i traded in my one that was like two before that because i hadn't bothered to trade it in because there was like nothing and i'm like well i could use the, the camera on it and then i ended up trading that one in and it basically cost me nothing to upgrade our, but our nine-year-old has the nicest phone in the house <laughs> she just got yeah. for her birthday or christmas she just got the latest iphone <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah i mean they i hope they appreciate it so how's Microsoft? So how's Microsoft doing? Are you going to uh, cover well, they, yeah, their earnings? Yeah, their revenue. Yeah, their revenue was down, even though it was up year over year. It was down against what some of the estimates were. Um, earnings, their um, revenue was up, but their earnings were were down about six and a half percent. And a lot of that comes from the from the PC market. But they're doing so much with their with their cloud and with the the Azure stuff that you're, Azure, that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, they also spent a lot of money on Activision. So, um, did they, did that go through? So it's, it's looking like it's probably not going to go through. Um, it's, but what they had the money in escrow and that's affecting their earnings. Yeah. It's, uh, it put a lot of time and effort into that, but, but Sony's fighting it and the, the federal trade commission is right. 
standing up against that a little bit. Um, the other thing is they're anticipating a bit of a slowdown in the in the cloud segment. So, hmm. so this is enterprise uh, enterprise software and and hosting and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think what's interesting though is is their uh, we've talked about Chat GPT and their involvement there. Although that's probably going to be a while before they're able to get much. You think so? I mean, they just that. would they just pledge ten bill to that? Yeah, yeah. Um, did so they a, did they disclose their 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 ownership share? In, I don't in know OpenAI? if I've seen that yet. Um, you know, by the way, they're a major stakeholder, or they were at one point in Facebook. Did I don't know if many people know that? I, yeah, I did know that. Yeah, or Meta, early uh, early investor there. I think they're still um, holders of uh, you know of Meta. What are they? What, what are they trading at these right now? Uh, so Microsoft, we they were a, two or last time here. I paid attention, they were like a hundred and a quarter. They are, uh, right now it's trading about two forty two forty six, uh, huh. up a percent and a half today, uh, down about 20% year over year though. What's their PE on that? Uh, PE ratio is their forward PE is 26.04. Wow. Yeah. which is, That's pretty high. It is pretty high. Yeah, it really is. And you would have thought it would have. Um, it must have been coming down from although earnings have dropped a little bit. It must have been probably 35, 36 a year ago. That's I really guess. high. That's really high. I mean, that's like Tesla high. That's all I wouldn't that's all right. Reach the retail investors doing that, probably. Yeah, I mean, they well, they have a little bit of a dividend, they, they have a yield of about one percent, but a lot of the people are chasing yields on stuff because their treasuries and, and savings account weren't doing very much. Right. Uh, and Tesla had a good week, they were up. Uh, 10% when they came out with their earnings. Let's see where they're trading right now. Tesla right now is up 3% again today. They're up to 171. Um, Who's that? Uh, Tesla. Tesla. What, yeah, and they're, they're what, a, in comparison, what's their PE? Yeah, their PE is 52. 52, yeah. And when they were when they were at their high, what did we report? They, they were like 700 times yeah, price a, to earnings? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah crazy so uh all right thank you for covering uh microsoft's that was microsoft's earnings call what was that for the for the fiscal year uh, last week yeah yeah was that the quarter yeah, the or was that quarter. the fourth yep. quarter yep sure all right so the next thing i want to talk about is did you see this post i made on our facebook page about the the fired the headline from newjersey.com or nj.com which is a new jersey local news rag or whatever Fired social media manager goes rogue on NJ.com's New Jersey City's TikTok account. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, see I'm seeing that now. So I have the article up. I, I don't know if um, if uh, if Nate Nathan will put it up on the screen for us. But um, Graham Colligan was posting quaint video on Summit Diner just months ago promoting the local business. But in the past few days, the tenor of his TikTok post, posts changed significantly. Suddenly, he was spouting off about his least favorite New Jersey malls, the high cost of local homes, and alleged mistreatment by his former employer. But this wasn't his personal account. The posts shared by at Summit Downtown emerged weeks after Colligan says he was fired from his job as social media manager for Summit Downtown the nonprofit organization that represents businesses in the Union, Union County Cities Downtown Special Improvement District. Mm. 
What do you think about, about that? I got I got things to say, but I want to hear what you have well, to say. Well, uh, yeah, so I've got lots of things to say about that. So, so my first initial reaction is going back to your earlier segment about uh, control and single sign-on and stuff. There's your perfect example, right? You you give your keys to the castle to the social media person who's going to help you run your account. You better have a system to on termination make sure that that person no longer has access to those accounts. Um, that so is, that's, that's my first reaction. Definitely a failing of HR. If there's an HR function and, you know, it's, it, it's the public sector. So I don't know how much of this was a contractor by the public, you know, by the, uh, you know, a municipality hiring a contractor and what their process is, but yeah, definitely a failing in that. Yeah. And then, and it looks like he did know that it lo looks like, I mean, it wasn't like a mistake. Cause you know, you can, you can have two or three different accounts on TikTok and Instagram, and it is possible to post something to the wrong account. But this makes it very clear that he did know what he was doing. So that's that's the gem. That's the yeah. gem. I'm glad you zeroed in on that. So that's yeah. the gem. The town says that they are not pressing charges. And I want to make this comment too. his apparent commandeering of the summit account where the stated description was uh, where. Nancy Adams, executive director of Summit Downtown, addressed the off-brand TikTok post Thursday when reached by NJ Advanced Media. Quote, Summit Downtown Inc. has deleted the content posted on our TikTok account by a recalcitrant former employee. That's a really cool word. Yeah, I like that. Um, he, has been, he has been advised that further action will be taken if he attempts to access the social media channel or any SDI platform in the future. But here's the thing. He's committed a federal crime, right? Yeah. Willfully. Do you know what crime, do you, do you know what he's in violation of federally? Well, so. It's so not cited in the news article. Dis and disparage I, I, his, did he disparage his, his previous employer or was he just complaining about other things? No, there's a very specific thing here. And this is, this, this is the reason why I'm, not giddy about this, but this, I deal with this on the regular for mm. our clients. Okay. Yeah. The computer abuse and fraud act mm. of 1986. Okay. Stipulates very clearly. And there's just one provision here. The, and this is from sciencedirect.com. It's the first Google listing, uh, or an, actually Google's giving me a Wikipedia on the sidebar here. Um, but there's one, I'm going to read it from sciencedirect.com right on the listing here. The, the computer fraud and abuse act of 1986 makes it a crime for anyone to access without authorization, a computer or computer system used by a financial institution, U S government agency, or any organization or individual involved in interstate or form, uh, foreign commerce or communication. Mm -hmm. So it's just logging into the system so like you can have your access revoked by virtue of your being fired and the password doesn't have to be changed if you if you willfully regain access to that system after your your explicit um authorization has been revoked that's the crime hmm. that's the crime and that's what protects businesses and has been protecting businesses so to speak from pissed off employees and it managers that you get fired. It is a federal crime to access the system, even if even if you know they haven't changed your password yet. Even if they even you have your mail on your phone and you've been sent 
through an email to your company email saying, hey, you're no longer a, a part of this company, you, 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 you've been terminated, mm-hmm. is you, you have to remove that account from your phone, even though they may not have disabled your access. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I mean, it, it makes sense. I'm, I'm, it probably comes up much more than uh, than it probably should. But um, I mean, it amounts to trespassing and digital trespassing, I guess. But yeah, um, you yeah. know, it 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 has been true. It is a, it is a federal crime. And then um, all almost all fifty states also have a similar statute. So he's yeah. actually in violation of a state crime and a federal crime just by logging in. So, Mm. you know, I hope the authorities, regardless of what um, the town of Summit, New Jersey wants to do, I think that, you know, for me, I think the authorities need to take action, make an, you know, not to make an example of, but just continue to um, hold people like this accountable because Mm. you you see this every couple of years, an IT manager, pissed off IT manager leaves, you know, or, yeah. or an IT underling who, you know, in, in order to give control of a per- person's particular work product, you have to give them, you, you have to expose the, the, the company. You, you inherently have to expose the company so that they can work on your company. Right. Um, there's no, there's no other way around that. Um, so the bar is really high, and I think the I think the legal, in my opinion, I'm just offering you my opinion. The, the I think the authorities need to continue to press. I mean, this this is like an open and shut case. I mean, the guy was posting on the TikTok saying and boasting that he was fired. Right. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. Um, what if <laughs> just having some fun here? What if this is all some elaborate ruse? And they've gained a thousand followers because this guy's making a clown, and so suddenly somebody's they're getting a thousand followers because they're watching this thing unfold and it comes out in a week that well he wasn't really fired this was just for trying to gain our our followers i don't think that's the case but that is never know these days that would be funny that is definitely the sort of um social media tactics that that have definitely happened to grow followers and to get to get headlines i don't think i don't think municipalities are that no, no. enterprising or or um yeah, I don't think there. I don't think municipalities and city councils are that enterprising. But I don't uh, think so. But um, um, yeah, it's still fun to th- fun to think about. Um, and so, does it matter if this is his? Well, it's obviously his own phone, right? Because he 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 kept it with him. But well, that um, that's the thing. It doesn't. It it's accessing a computer system, and it's a broad term. So yeah, right. the the device from which you connect, if you try to access somebody else's server, I mean, it could it could even be interpreted that if like, if you tried to go to somebody's website and there I've seen in, um, in the past, some stretches and, and uh, I think some cases have explored the limits to what this means. Mm. Um, so it, here's, here's the TikTok, Nate. If you've been fired, it's, it, it's unto you to stop accessing your former employer's computer systems. Otherwise, you are in violation of a federal crime and uh, state crime. So it's don't use that, Nathan. That was a that was a that was a, a weak TikTok. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, and this this could go back to you know device management and that and that kind of stuff. There's that's one of the perils of 
having people use their personal device to access company company accounts. To, and again, I'm not putting it back on this. I'm not saying that the employers at fault are referencing this case too, but uh, you know, nobody wants to walk around with two cell phones in their pocket pocket and you know the whole bring your own device sort of thing but if somebody gets terminated and and the company didn't disconnect their email and they're still getting emails pushed to them it's uh to their own personal device uh, yeah i mean the the employers and the the provider you know the, the employers and the agencies that are that are managing people and accounts and in this context i don't want to say employer because it was the town that hired a media company yeah yeah Contra which was a contractor and it was their employee. Mm -hmm. um, but still that company has to have checks and balances uh, and processes, documented processes in place for incoming and outgoing employees. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's the imperative there. Um, in this case, that the, the town had a reasonable expectation to think that their contractor was managing that appropriately. Right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of those social media things, when you, change your password or something it'll say do you want us to um log out on all your devices that sort of thing so yep. so they they are set up to to work for this scenario but uh just this is the new era that we're in he was yep. you know I thought he that was, 100 was fun. wrong here in this in this scenario of course but that doesn't mean that there aren't steps the employer should take to prevent this kind of stuff 